Hey guys, we're recording. Good luck. Don't mess up. Okay. All right. <laughs> I want to let you know that I did I did this earlier just randomly and I did the whole thing without messing up. You ruined it because now I'm going to mess it up. Yep. That's just my thing. All right. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Geology on the Rocks, your one-stop audio shop for all things rocks and rocking out. A brief overview of this evening's episode will include the intros and hellos, followed by the one and only new news. Our main discussion will di- dive, damn it, dive deep, <laughs> dive deep into human evolution and the human body, bridging the gap between biologia and geologia. So between the bars of our main discussion, we present to you another mineral minute. And before signing off, we will close things out with another that freaking rocks, perhaps. So a huge thank you to all of our listeners out there for allowing us to be played between your earballs, both to our new listeners and to our returning listeners alike, and for spending your time with us each week. If you'd like to reach out to us, whether it be for episode ideas, answers you're wanting, respond answers, <laughs> or just to tell us about all, yeah, it, it definitely didn't go over as well. So, or just to tell us about all the times we were wrong, you can reach out to us at geologyotr <laughs> at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at Geology on the Rocks Podcast. Hashtag your geology daddies. So it lo- does look like as if things are squared away over here. So without further ado to all over. Wow. <laughs> to all of you over there, I am your host. James, the geologist. And I am. Brian Baggins. And this is Geology, geology on, on the, the Rocks. rocks. <laughs> wow. Well, okay, that was a struggle, but... <laughs> Well, hello, everyone. Hello. Let us introduce to you the fabulous, the one and only Dr. Greta Bowling. Yay! So introduce the Greta, as it says to do. She has done such things as attaining her PhD in biology from the University of North Texas. Her major was developmental physiology. During her postdoc fellowship at the University of North Texas, she focused on creating programs to integrate pedagogical training in graduate school and science education and also conducted research on STEM completion rates at four-year institutions. That was a long breath. (laughs) (laughs) She's currently a professor at Tarrant County College and teaches slash has taught majors biology, environmental biology anatomy and physiology and is the current department chair of the life sciences yes her fancy pants include such honors of the 2017 chancellor's award for exemplary teaching she is responsible for the creation of the marine creek land scholars her beautiful brainchild that is aimed at fostering a culture of environmental awareness by creating informed land leaders of tomorrow which she established in 2015 she is also responsible for creating the marine creek nature discovery center that transformed an old overflow parking lot into Mm -hmm. a Pocket Prairie. It's also a monarch way station, uh, outdoor classroom, you name it, it does it. Basically, what we're saying is our guest is very well qualified to speak on such things. So welcome. Welcome yeah. to the stage. Thank you. So yeah, I, I your... do want to visit this Marine Creek Nature Discovery Center. It's pretty. Right? It's, it's I mean, it's right down the road. Yeah. Right. So not far. Yeah. No, so I was looking at uh, you. You sent me a link to the the file that I asked for, right? The with all the pictures. I didn't. I, I remember helping out when it was still nothing. But I didn't realize like, you know what I'm saying? Like all in my head I have is that a picture is what it is now, right. not what it was. So it's it's kind of a it's come a long way. For yeah. Sure. That's yeah. Cool. It's it's awesome. So how was your week? Mr. Baggins? Uh, it was good. I rode my bike a lot. <laughs> like, I rode it every day. But I, I had a, uh, a motivation. 
So I, I remembered what I did this week. Mm-hmm. I need to get rid of dad bod because I'm going to Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> but it's not nice. until like end of September, like October. Okay. But I'm so, starting early. So yeah. Nice. Nice. It was so very just, spontaneous. So was, are you bail? Are you just trying to find all the reasons to bail out on our ocean cleanup? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like that September thing. We're Well, I don't know when we were going to do it. Like, because third week. It was the couldn't. third Saturday of September. But that's the day that you are Conference. doing your release. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have your release and then you have... Yeah. So maybe we should move it to early September. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Or next weekend because I'll be in Galveston. That's a little... (laughs) That would be cool, though. We've only raised $5 (laughs) so far. I wonder if I could pull that off. I don't know. I don't know. Next weekend? Well, that's July... No, not July 4th. No. 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 Next weekend 4th. The 24th. Maybe. But I don't know if we could get uh, Dale down. Oh, no. No. I don't... don't, Yeah, we're still... (laughs) We'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Figure it out. (laughs) Well, that's it. That's all I have. How how was your week, James? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I always forget to ask you. Because you usually go first, I think. I don't know. Well, how was your week, James? Well, my week uh, was closely related to Greta's week. We were two mentors to these two students that were national finalists in this STEM competition. Well, we say STEM competition, right? <laughs> but it was hosted by the NSF and the American Association oh. for Community Colleges. And well, they, they computed for their innovation. What they wanted to do is change colony collapse disorder. Well, that was the issue that they were addressing. Colony collapse? Is colony collapse okay. disorder. Right. <laughs> I not if you're going to say anything. But yeah, so like there's the, these Varroa destructor mites. So like all of this uh, is new to me too, but like they, they're a vector for viral transmission of all mm. these different viruses that are killing off the bees. And what they did is they developed Grace. She's very into mushrooms and it has, I guess, the homeopathic kind of, they have done studies to show that eating the mycelia of certain mushrooms will give the, basically boosting the bees' immunity. So they oh. developed this bottom board and then they were going to put this mycelia mat in the substrate and give it to agriculture because you know it's dependent on like 500 yeah. billion dollars worldwide they were involved in this competition but unfortunately they didn't they didn't win i i, I mean thought, what I, would have won over that because that's like what i think of as like major researchers would come up with that. yeah well it was it was less to do more so with research but then more of the the selling it so that's kind oh, of like yeah. yeah you know i was thinking about it and i was thinking okay next year what are we going to do and i was like you know we really should bring someone in who has a little bit of business and marketing expertise because that seemed like a <laughs> really big component like the most of the components yeah it Mm. was i mean every single conversation was how how you know your audience and your customer and you know and they were asking questions about how much things would cost and we're just like doing a swat analysis oh i know (laughs) it was a good learning experience austin community college they got third place it was some ai to review body cam footage with police Mm. and then second place was the autism virtual reality kind of to help with their skills and then first place was cancer cancer research okay well yeah you can't beat that you can't but (laughs) i will say that our scientific poster was the only one that had references on it oh my god that's a big deal i didn't look at all of them i looked at all of them that's a huge none of them had references but i'm excited that we're going to print it and we're going to have it up in the building and everything yeah Yeah, so uh we'll post their poster along with this episode stuff but it was Mm. it was a good learning experience like even from us on the the mentor side because i mean i have never been involved in something like that and i it was it was a neat experience it was exhausting. It, it consumed like basically our whole entire week. Basically, the last like two or three weeks because we had meetings with all these uh, other groups and to have them get them prepared for it well, as if it were a scientific yeah. competition, not a Shark Tank <clears throat> competition. That's where I feel like we kind of. Well, I think that their I- 
idea, I mean, is plausible and feasible to do. And I think someone like uh, who cares about private industry, pitch it to USDA, right? Like that's, that's a big deal. Well, you know, I think what's interesting about our or their idea was that it was simple. Yeah, very. And, and I think that that was maybe what set them apart was that it was fairly simple and all the other ones had very technical, you know, yeah. apps and all of these other things, you know, that are associated, which is great. But, you know, I think that it maybe made ours look a little And not simple. to take away from the winners or any other. Oh, no, they other, did great. They did, they did a great job. Yeah. But also all three winners. So they, it was broken up into two groups. You had six teams that presented in kind of like the early afternoon. Then you had a break and then you had six teams that went in the second half. And the winners came from that second group, all three hmm. of them. We went first. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, always hard. But, you know, they did a hell of a job. They, yeah. And they grew, I mean, from the start to the end, like they came oh, a long yeah. way too. So uh, if you're so listening, proud. Logan and Grace were extremely proud of you. But that, yeah, that was our week. It was, it was busy. They, uh, yeah. yeah. I didn't bike, but I listened to a podcast about Lance Armstrong. So okay. you kind of, I kind of did the journey. imagined biking mm. and I fell off constantly. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to get into it. Bike riding, it always hurts my, it my balls. Dude, I'm like always. <laughs> like i'm sure i look weird on the trail because i'm like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it just doesn't feel good i need to get a new seat okay so i guess we've gone long enough with that so how about we do a little new news my friend i'll get the party waltz going I'll let you go first this time. Okay. 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 I actually found this one on Reddit. Oh, no. Oh, damn it. This was going to do it. I forgot. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This was such a good article. To- yeah. So there's this, <laughs> this lobster diver. He, I don't remember where, but he basically South was- Africa. Okay. I, he was, I've heard this. Yeah. He's diving down doing his lobster diving thing, which apparently that's, there's not many people that still do that. Yeah. That, the way he does it. And he was all, he was, you know doing his thing and then all of a sudden he felt this little bump and then everything went very dark and he was swallowed by a humpback whale (laughs) and then somehow got out of there i guess like not only the whale didn't want him in so it's because i think they're like throat is very small like see isn't the humpback they have like the baleen though that yeah, they kind yeah, of yeah. filter it through it does that, like yeah exactly but i guess that. when they're like oh. yeah so they do that and they like open their <laughs> mouth at like a right angle and then they just yeah and then they you know expel all the water yeah and then the rest goes down well he was able to get spit out yeah and then back in down to the water but he was like at first he was like i didn't know if i got attacked by a shark but i don't feel any teeth i can't see anything luckily he had his scuba gear and everything on so he was still getting oxygen yeah but oh my goodness. i mean like he he would have been dead if it had just would have been a little longer or if the tongue i think the tongue weighs like four tons or something so he could have got crushed yeah. by that force right yeah but so what's even worse is this guy i read more about him he's also was in a jungle plane crash (laughs) this dude yeah like not funny because people died in the crash but he survived that like years ago and now he's surviving being a real life jonah yeah like like, this is so i mean i'll tell you this would be like the (laughs) the first day of my last day of never going lobster fishing again yeah, I I don't know if he's going to go back out. Well, I didn't read that. there's been some controversy about it because there's been a lot of speculation like, okay, this didn't really happen. Really? Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there, so. Well, it's made its way around the news because, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I heard about it. You heard about it. He's heard about it. I'm sure everyone listening is well, like. Yeah, I mean, he was hospitalized for something. Like, I don't know what it was. Germs? No, something was Ew. knee, I think. Oh. Yeah. 
Something was dislocated. <laughs> yeah, I know, but that's that's that, that sounds nutty. Yeah, I like, and so I told my son, he's like, "Nope, that's not true. That's not true." <laughs> yeah, immediately, <laughs> just like so matter of fact. Yeah. That sounds like something like a oh, yeah, eight ten. <laughs> yep, it yeah. sounds like something. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> nope. Hey, did you know farts? And- <laughs> <laughs> that's all I hear. Oh yeah. Okay, party waltz. All right. Well, my story is about the Egyptian fruit bats. Dirty little secret. Well, <laughs> so the researchers found. <laughs> That, have, do y'all know anything about this? Did y'all read about this? No, but... No, it did not make it away around. Yeah. So, <laughs> like the, the Egyptian <laughs> fruit bats, the females were seen stealing food out of male bats' mouths, right? And seemingly that the female or the male bats were okay with, you know, this other bat, female bat, eating it, taking it from him because what he got in return. So they associated <laughs> the female bats... That were stealing the food from the the male bats were more likely to reproduce with the bat that they were stealing the food from. So it's basically like I don't know prosti- oh prostitution, right? Yeah, or like the <laughs> music so the, industry now. Like yeah, like take a little bit out of my mouth. Yeah. So the next time that you steal food from someone's mouth, Greta, you're expected. Or, <laughs> you know, like no, that's yeah. messed up. So, but like they're they're putting that link together of oh my. that kind of. Well, I forget the actual word because this is like the first time. I haven't written down my new news story. Yeah. But so there's like the forger, I don't know, something, blah, 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 blah. But there's a relationship interlinked between that. Uh, the more that they take out, you know, the more likely that they're going to have <laughs> that bat's baby. Wow. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I heard something about an octopus. Do you want me to share it? Yeah, yeah no, please. Okay. So I, I heard that or I read female octopuses. Is that right? Octopi? Octopi. Octopi. Okay. But the females are octopussies. uh, Okay. So basically what happens is if they are hungry and they, they are approached by a male who wants to have intercourse, right? Yep. Octopus intercourse. Then what happens is they will, the female will eat the male. Wow. That's that talk about being desperate. The guy, right? yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> he knows what's yeah, coming. I'm not having it. Literally, I'd rather eat you. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, wow. Yeah, that's oh, so she doesn't have sex with him, or she no, no, so she, she just didn't. kills him. He thinks it's, right. so. It's like the li- the leerbird, like making yeah. sounds like the like I'm trapping you, yeah. and like the oh, there's danger, Dude. but I'm gonna get closer to you. Well, I think that that's what happens. I think that she she lets him come close and you know get really really close, and then boom, like, boom, dang, she eats him for days. <laughs> days. Oh yeah. Dude, octopuses are like smart. Brutal, exactly. Yeah. Real smart. smart. Have you seen that documentary? Oh, with my the octopus teacher or something like yeah, that? Yeah, no, I, I started that. Really Every time that I started, Angela's like, why are you watching this? I'm going to watch like <laughs> vampires and Vikings. <laughs> I love vampires and Vikings. I've, I've never heard that. of that. Well, no, it's just anything vampires oh, okay. or anything. I thought there was an actual show. Yeah. I do like the show Vikings a lot, though. No, yeah, but. I do like that amazing. show. Yeah. Uh, uh. You don't like that? Well, I do, but it's oh. just like, I wanted to watch the like, octopus yeah like Peter. stuff that the anything with david attenborough his He's voice amazing. is so yeah you're need, a close second brian i, I need like to hire one. him for a record yeah yeah <laughs> well then all right well on to episode 31 we go so tonight we're gonna go we are going to discuss first the merits of humans and their evolution through time and more broadly speaking evolution from a darwin or as i like to call him the darwinner <laughs> 
<laughs> it's, you I read know, it. I read it as Darwiner. Darwiner. Because I was like reading German or something. No, <laughs> no. So he's the Darwiner, right? Uh, so we're yeah, going to be talking is. to him from that perspective, point of view, much better than the Dar loser, if you will, in the history books, aka Alfred Russell Wallace. So yeah, he actually came up with the idea of natural selection independently, but at the same time as Darwin. And there is debate on that, right? Yeah. But, well, right, you are, but it's a sad day for Mr. A. R. Wallace. Because right? he's not a, a Darwiner. No. He's not a giant. <laughs> He's a loser. So the first half, I guess, is going to be geology, biologically speaking, with evolution. Then on the back half, we're going to talk about the human body and try to make sense of the geology going on inside the body. So I guess it's going to be from a biological perspective. So it will be biology, geologically speaking. It doesn't, get, it, it doesn't yeah. give you tired head. But first, let me do this. Don't read it, Brian. <laughs> Poems by James Brian and Greta. And this poem is going to come to us from Langdon Smith, simply titled Evolution. It was rather long, so I I just cut it down to the, like the first five bars. And since y'all threw me under the bus last time with the, with the Australian accent oh thing, no. let's take a stab a Russian accent. Yeah? I can't. Oh, there's, no can't way. Oh, there's no way. <laughs> well, try. We're going to do oh, a Russian God. accent. I don't even know what... <laughs> Give us an example so we can... Vodka. Oh, my God. Vodka. Okay, I'm going to try. I have no idea. I've never even been to Russia. I don't even have Russian friends, really. When you were a tadpole and I was fish. When you were a tadpole and I was fish in the Paleozoic time. Are you Italian? Am I supposed to read? Yeah, go. Did I do it wrong? (laughs) Go. No, you did good. Am I reading like an Italian or something? Kind of. Oh, whatever. This is Italian-Russian. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) Then you were tadpole and I was fish in the paleos. (laughs) And side by side... On the ebbing tide, we sprawled through the ooze and slime. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> or, or skittered with many a caudal flip through the depths of the Cambrian sand. <laughs> My heart was rife with the joy of life, for I loved you even then. Yeah. Mindlessly live. <laughs> mindlessly live, mindlessly love. And mindless at last we die. And deep in rift of Karat drift, we slumbered side by side. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The world, the world turned on it in the length of time. The hot lands heaved amain. I don't use these words. Till we caught our breath from the womb of death and crept into life again. Okay. We could just do it normal now. No, we got to keep going. No. Oh my gosh. I'm sweating. We were amphibians. (laughs) Scaled and tailed and drab as dead man's hand. We coiled at ease neath the dripping trees or trailed through mud and sand. Croaking and blind with our three clawed feet, riding a language dumb (laughs) with never a spark in the empty dark to hint at life to come. Yet happy we lived and happy we loved and happy we died once more. Our forms were rolled in clinging mold of Neocamian shore. The aeons came and aeons fled in the sleep that wrapped us fast was riven away in a newer day in the night of death. 
was passed. Then light and swift through the jungle trees, we swung in our airy flights, are breathed in the palms of the fronded palms in the hush of the moonless nights. And oh, what beautiful years! <laughs> there when our hearts clung to each each when life was filled in our senses thrilled in the first faint dawn of speech i think you do that on purpose because we're really bad at we're it. terrible well it's just probably because you didn't look at it <laughs> no i saw the poem i didn't see the writing part <laughs> so thank you the next time well i appreciate it well let's cheers one more cheers. time before yeah. we get really into good. it like this, this one is one. good it's a raspberry whatever something Raspberry ghosts. Yeah, it <clears throat> pairs well with ceviche, yard work, and pretzels. And it's made by the Manhattan Project Beer Company, right? Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. We weren't sponsored to say that, but if you want to sponsor you know, us. Go ahead. Okay, well, that was a little fun to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. Uh-oh, no. It got me sweating. Oh, man. So it wasn't the beautiful poem? Okay, okay. <laughs> On to the main event. So human evolution. Do you want to lead us off there, Professor Bowling? I sure do. So of homo, of homo sapiens, excuse me, Darwin made only a passing mention on the third to last page of his historic book on origin of the species. He noted that light will be thrown on the origin of man and his history. Like, yeah. That's it. It would not be until 12 years later that he would write a book dedicated to the evolution of man known as The Descent of Man. So then have any of y'all ever read the 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 two books cover to cover? No. The Negative. Look, so hold on one second. Mm. Actually, got it. Nice. Yeah, so that should be a fun read nice. to actually to read it. I, I feel like as a biologist, you should. That's like one oh, book that oh, he's calling you. <laughs> well, we have minors. Well, hey, we didn't read Granites and Granites. No, until... we sure did not. But we should have. Yeah. Are you telling me that I should read that book? Yeah, but I do have a book for you if you want to. It's a really good book. It has all the vestige structures and humans. It's called uh, Your Inner Fish. Cool. Ooh. That sounds good. I think I've actually heard of that one. It's really good. It's yeah. it's a really good read. All right. And this, of course, was long before we had learned of all of the many variations of hominins that we know now today. And then I think what's really going to be enlightening today is how, like, so we made silly voices, right? So I guess that was kind of the <laughs> idea of getting out of the headspace of mispronouncing words because yeah. we're going to be saying some, they're, they're always hard, like the, the Latin words. words. But anyway, so when we get into it, it should be fun. Though. Yeah. So like funny names like Tiktolik. Is that how you say it? I say <laughs> I don't Tiktolik. Know. Tiktolik? No, Tiktolik is how I pronounce okay. it. Okay. Well, so we're not going to talk about him, but... But we wouldn't even have mammals if Him it weren't for, he, for them. So thanks for coming out of the water 375 million years ago. Oh, great. Tiktolik. Yeah, we're going to have to have a <laughs> transition fossil because he was that that was not he like it. They, it, they, it, yeah. that fossil was really that transition species from sea to land. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Darwin argued that all living humans belong to one species and that its races descended from a single ancestral species and probably lived in Africa. He mentioned that our closest living relatives were chimps and gorillas based on the morphological species concept. So that's basically based on things like, you know, outward characteristics, phenotypes. Okay. And so phenotypes. would you say that Darwin's morphological species concept is basically where there's a, a morphological gap that exists between two species. So there's there's no hybrids or intermediates between them. Yeah, no, I, and I think that's a great question, Brian. And actually, more recent research has really propped up Darwin's theory, rather, of common descent, also known as what you said, the common ancestry. So it, it's now understood that through genome analysis, and it reveals the genetic differences between humans and chimps to be less than 2%, right? So that, that's pretty significant, the, mm -hmm. the just 2% differences. In other words, humans 
humans and chimps have DNA sequences that are greater than 98% similar. I don't think that's much of a stretch. No, no, no. And this may be anecdotally speaking, but I mean, have y'all ever looked into like a gorilla's eyes when you're at the <laughs> no. zoo? There's something. Oh, when we're at the zoo? Yeah, I when you're at the zoo, no, part. like, like, so there's something like oddly like human about Absolutely. just like just Unders- looking into their like, eyes. They understand something. It, 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 it appears so though. Yeah. 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 Did you guys ever see that video where it was like a woman, she had like a newborn up against the glass and there was, um, I think a female gorilla was over and she came up to the glass and she's like touching the glass oh, where wow. the newborn was and the woman sitting there and, and you know, the, the female gorillas acting like she wants to hold the baby. And it was just mm-hmm. really interesting, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Kind of. But then this brings us to the question of did human life begin in Africa or Asia? Mm. And so the great debate and... <laughs> You know, I, I'm not sure if that's really what it's called. But anyways, did we come from apes is kind of where we're going out with this. And if so, did those ancestors come from Africa and Asia? And I would say yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> Since the mid 1800s, biologists have generally shared the belief that all living things descended from a single common ancestor. And that's based on fossil evidence and comparative anatomy, like you mentioned, Greta, Darwin. Or the Darwiner. Yeah, him. Well, so he proposed that humans and great apes, which include chimpanzees, gorillas and orangutans. How do you all say that word? That's a funny one. I always add a G in it, orangutan. I used to, and then I'd stop myself. The way, you, the way you said it was okay. beautiful. <laughs> well, they share a common ancestor that lived several million years ago. And while the genetic similarity between human and ape, it strengthened Darwin's theory, a significant unexplained discrepancy remained. Yeah, and, and I want to say that the, the great apes all have 48 chromosomes. So that's going to mean that they have 24 pairs, while humans only have 46 and 23 pairs. So I guess, Greta, maybe you can, I guess, help explain explain why if humans and apes shared a common ancestor shouldn't we both have the same number of chromosomes in their cells in order to corroborate darwin's theory we as scientists would first need to find a valid explanation for why a chromosome pair is missing in humans that is present in apes are we going to use the scientific method greta can we please great greta (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like you wrote this i mean what i meant to say is you actually read my mind (laughs) so of course Uh, did you purposely do that? Yes. What? <laughs> it's just funny. It's good. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I never know if you guys are actually making a joke at my expense. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Okay. So a fundamental part of the process by which science is done involves developing a testable prediction, also known as a hypothesis, and scientists offer two possible explanations for the discrepancy. And I am excited to hear about this. Either A, the common ancestor had 24 pairs and humans carry a fused chromosome, or B, the ancestor had 23 pairs and apes carry a split chromosome. Mm -hmm. With this in mind, researchers eventually found a mutation on one of the human chromosomes that explained what had happened. Shut up. Really? Really. Really, really? Really, really? (laughs) (laughs) And to make a long story short. Go on. It turns out that chromosome two, which is unique to the human lineage of evolution, emerged as a result of a head-to-head fusion of two ancestral chromosomes that remain separate in other primates. Three genetic indicators provide strong, if not conclusive, evidence of fusion. Right, right. And then first, the banding or dye pattern that we see, right, of human chromosome two closely matches that of two separate chromosomes found in apes. So chimp chromosomes two and an extra chromosome that does not match any human chromosome. Then second, a chromosome. Chromosome. (laughs) Okay, start that again. (laughs) 
<laughs> then second, a chromosome normally it has one central mirror or a central point, which the chromosomes two identical strands are, are joined. Uh-huh. But remnants of a second, presumably inactive central mirror can be found on human chromosome two. And third, whereas a normal chromosome has readily identifiable repeating DNA sequences called telomeres at both ends, chromosome two also has telomere sequences not only at both ends, but also in the middle. So I think ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, grandmas and grandpas, you heard it here first. So it's settled. <laughs> we come from apes, right? Yeah. So I guess that's kind of the, the backdrop to all of this is that we do have that common ancestor. Yeah. Which is like, you always hear, oh, we didn't come from monkeys. Like I've heard that even still today, I still hear people arguing about that. It's like, no, we're not claiming that. Yeah. I don't I don't know where why that stuck around. But I think it's easy. Yeah. Monkey, yeah. it's just something easy to say. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, so two ape families, they evolved in the Miocene and gave rise to hominoids. Okay. And that's going to be the Dryopithecines. They evolved in Africa and spread into Eurasia. And then the Civipithecines <laughs> evolved in Asia and they may have evolved into orangutans. Yeah. So the DNA and fossil evidence indicate that the, the, the Dryopithecines, the African apes and hominids are all, I guess, kind of closely related. Yeah. And so the hominoids, they diverge from old world monkeys before the Miocene. And the fossil record extends, I guess, about 7 million years. And they show that hominids, they start to have more of an upright posture. And that indicates at the time that they were becoming more bipedal. Yeah, they feature reduced canine teeth, which indicates they probably had omnivorous diets. Fossils suggest that they started to develop increased manual dexterity as well. This could also be advantageous as hominoids started to use sophisticated tools. Yeah, um, I'm, a, I'm a huge tool, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 you are. And these early, the, yeah, so the, the early hominoids probably evolved in Africa. So the, the big thing here to remember is that the hominoid evolution may correlate to the myo Pliocene climate change in Africa. So as the climates cooled, Africa became more drier and after, or they became drier after the late Eocene, where rainforests were replaced by mixed forest, savannas, and open grasslands, which ultimately really is going to lead to their migration out of the cradle of life in Africa. Hmm. Yeah. So, and also the details of hominid evolution, they're debated because of gaps in the fossil record, but fear not, there's been extensive work done and there continues to be. So, however, we present to you the possible timeline and evolution of modern day humans. Yeah, so then what we're really going to be, well, I guess if you study this in any, I guess, great detail, the traits were five categories that distinguish modern humans from contemporary apes are one, we habitually walk bipedally. Two, our dentation and jaw musculature are different from those of apes in a number of ways. For example, we have a wide parabolic dental arcade with thick enamel, reduced canine teeth and larger molars in relation to the teeth. Three, we're going to have larger brain balls in relation to our body size, <laughs> right? Then four, we uh, develop slowly with with a long juvenile period. And five, we depend on an elaborate, highly variable material and symbolic culture transmitted in part through a spoken language. So as we go along, know that some of these traits are going to be similar to early humans and often they're going to differ. But this is kind of how we are linking these early hominids to us, right? That's yeah, kind of the yeah. story that we're doing. Yeah. So if we're, we'll go through the human lineage, if you will. So I'll start us off by saying, you know, 55 million years ago, first primates evolved. Yeah. And then what happened? <laughs> You're laughing. No, I'm <laughs> laughing because it's just like once upon a time. Yeah, oh, once yeah. upon a time. 50, yeah. Once upon a time. Million. 55 million years ago. <laughs> 
primates first started right growing. yeah so then we see in the fossil record eight to six million years ago the the first gorillas are going to start evolving then later chimp and human lineages start to diverge and we see about 5.8 to 5.2 million years ago the artipithecus the early proto-humans start showing up in the fossil record and they share traits with chimps and gorillas and is really forest dwelling yeah so artipithecus it, it comes from the word rd meaning ground or floor and ramus <laughs> Meaning root in the local Afar language. What I found neat was that the Artipithecus <laughs> ramatus is that they share similar traits to humans in that they had smaller, more incisor like canine teeth. They're not sharpened by the lower premolars and they were habitual bipeds. Right. So I'm going to try not to butcher this, but <laughs> Sahala, oh, here we go. <laughs> Sahalanthropus chadensis from Chad. Oren, <laughs> you know, okay. Ororin. Ororin to Gen- from Kenya and Ardipithecus Kadaba from Ethiopia show that our earliest ancestors emerged by around 7 million to 5.5 million years ago. So we're talking about ape-like figures, but walking on two legs instead of four. And the interesting story about the Sahelanthropus is that the, these fossils really, these in particular, shocked paleontology community because of where they were found. Because up really up until that time, most of the works on human evolution focused on East Africa. Africa showing that hominins had a much wider range than previously believed. It also showed that it had a surprising mix of derived and primitive features. And fun fact, the word Salanthropus comes from Sahel, the vast dry region of south of the Sahara, and Chadensis from Chad, the country mm. you mentioned that it was found in. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Sahelanthropus had the hole in the base of the skull. Yeah, the, the foramen magnum, <laughs> I believe. Yes. And actually, when I teach about the foramen magnum. There you go. There, yeah. You're uh-huh. fancy. In, <laughs> See, in, we diverge. <laughs> we're, yeah. di- we're diverging here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I teach that in AMP, I'm like, magnum, like, what does that make? you think of uh something large exactly yeah. and that's where students <laughs> might go immediately so the foramen magnum this is where um the spinal cord passes down from the brain so it's like the brain stem to the spinal cord and that's how you know it moves out this has a forward position suggested of an upright position or bipedalism also the face is relatively flat and a massive brow ridge over the eyes but had a small brain case and primitive teeth suggesting it was more ape-like so before we go into that so it'd be because the position of that, it, it's going to indicate that they were bipedal. Is it because it's more, it causes more erectness? Yes, it's it's mm. more vertical. Okay. Right, because if you look at a cow skull, for example, it's like the position of that foramen magnum is completely different. Yeah, okay. It's so going to be like, you know, more horizontal. Horizontal then, okay. Then see. In relation to like the teeth. Yeah, okay. That makes Mm. more sense. Well, so what specifically, what is specifically important about, you know, bipedalism or rather like what was the advantage of just walking on two legs? Yeah, so I got this. So bipedalism actually allowed, like this was a fun fact, is that it it allowed the hominins to really keep cool. So Mm. if we think about this, the the sun would be striking a much smaller fraction of the body of an erect hominin than a quadrupedal animal of the same size. So the air we know is warmer at the ground level. The wind velocity are also higher like you can think of humans are roughly about six feet or two meters and that's going to be going faster at up there than it would be at one meter so it's really it's it's like they're cooling off it has to do with heat i've never heard that before really that is something new I've that really makes sense yeah. and also bipedal locomotion leaves the hands free to carry things which can come in handy when it comes to carrying food and tools and babies yeah and do karate <laughs> <laughs> weapons yeah no yeah and and the same idea of 
food. So the posture of being bipedal also allowed for early humans and was probably selected for, right, in some part for the efficiency of harvesting fruit from small trees. And these are just uh, some advantages of bipedalism versus quadrupedalism. Okay, okay, I see. Well, so four million years ago, so back to our little timeline, we see the Australopithecines appear and they have brains no larger than than a chimpanzee's. And so it's a volume about 400 to 500 cubic centimeters. Um, But they walk upright on two legs and first human ancestors to live on the savannah. Okay, so it's going from more foresty areas to open grasslands, right? I got you. So, and I want to say that this is when the lineage also kind of, um, at least when it comes to this lineage with the Australopithecines, they lost their tree gripping abilities in their Mm. feet. So even though earlier species were bipedal, they were still believed to be tree climbers. That is, I'm kind of sad that I don't have the former ability. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, (laughs) infants have that gripping. Oh, yeah, they can still like grip. So I, I know, I know this is getting way i mean we might be derailing here a little bit so but the fact that we wear shoes and don't rely on that like our big toe is actually getting smaller uh-huh. and it will eventually because you know doc you know because you've heard of that um like the one bone two bones the many bones and the five bones like all, like most all um from tick tolic all the way on we have one bone two bones like a wrist even in our legs and most but dogs they kind of lost that in their oh, yeah. up here with the that dew claw. <clears throat> yeah so that's they're like fourth but they have four fingers now but that one that vestiges up here wow but our feet are kind of doing that Mm. right now because we don't have a a need for kind of a big toe yeah interesting my toe is still fairly large yeah Yeah, i think mine is pretty big okay let's see so 3.85 to 2.95 million years ago lucy super famous specimen of the australopithecus Thick. <laughs> yeah, Australopithecus. Australopithecus afarensis. They lived near, or she, sorry, lived near what is now Hadar, Ethiopia. Yeah, they they uncovered many of the fossils of that species in the Awash Basin. I see, and I like. I don't know what that means. My ears perked up earlier to the Afar yeah. region, so I like. There's a lot of trachytic rocks that I did studies on with Basu. See, yeah, it's yeah. this whole area. Yeah. Okay. So this fossil was discovered in 1974. Lucy was a capable biped with long, strong arms and curved fingers, features associated with tree climbing. So that's that mm. was her features. And Lucy's skull is ape-like due to its endocranial volume being around 404 cc's. Yeah, fancy words. I like it, Greta. Mm. <laughs> she also had massive <laughs> brow ridges and a forward jutting jaw. That her sounds teeth- like me. <laughs> <laughs> her teeth were large and appears intermediate between apes and humans and then an interesting fact is that when they first discovered lucy the excavation site right stopped for over a decade because a civil war actually broke out in ethiopia at the time wow. so then they picked it up 10 years later but then so moving forward about 2.85 million years ago entering onto the scene is the australopithecus africanus which is different from the afarensis so so this was discovered by Dart in 1925 in Tong, Tong, Tang, South Africa. So this is known as a Tang child. Fossil linked humans to African apes, ape-like brain cases, and human-like teeth. The small biped was controversial at the time with relatively modern dentition and postcranial skeleton. As with Australopithecus afarensis, there is a pronounced sexual dimorphism in both canine and body size. And then here's a fun fact about sexual dimorphism in regards to humans. So food sharing and division of labor probably actually led to the reduced competition 
transmission between males and it reduced sexual dimorphism. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Sexual dimorphism is a distinct difference in size or appearance between the sexes of an animal in addition to differences between the sexual organs themselves. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on to Paranthropus we go mm. and include Paranthropus robustus and Paranthropus boisei. Is that boisei? I thought it was boisei. Boisei? Okay, whatever. No, no, no. I, I need to learn this. <laughs> no, I'm I don't probably really going to have to say it. Boisei, boisei. Boisei. I would say boisei. Whatever. Boys, whatever. He's the biologist. I'm just a skater boy. I B O I. B O I. I'm just a skater boy. You're just a boisei. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. So that's the, that's the black skull that was discovered. That's what they call it, the black skull. Oh, okay. So they lived around 2.7 million. And Don't just point... okay me. Okay, <laughs> it's a big cool. deal. No, it is. It is. It is Why cool. did they call it the black skull? Because that's what it was. phosphorus. Because yeah. it was black, I'm assuming. It was black phosphorus. No, it wasn't. Was yeah, it? probably. No, I bet it was recrystallized. No, the, the, it was the, dark. It was just a dark color. A darker. Like the, the darker color. It didn't frame. remineralize. Are you asking me that question? Are I'm you looking James. it up? No, it, I'm going <laughs> to show you, like I'm show you exactly of, what we're talking about. That inset. Black. It's called the black skull. It's not black. But it, it is dark in color. It is okay, dark. It is. it is dark in color for sure. For sure. Okay. So they lived around 2.7 million and 1.2 million years ago, Southern and Eastern Africa. So they shared with some homo neighbors. <laughs> 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 You're so insensitive. Yeah. Greta. Come on. We're in 2021. Whatever. Um, they had massive teeth and jaws, flared cheekbones, and crests atop their head that anchored powerful chewing muscles. Mm. The molars in this fossil are enormous. Uh, the lower jaw is very large and the entire skull has been reorganized to support that massive chewing apparatus. For example, it has a pronounced sagittal crest. I always think of like like the dogs that can really bite hard. They have Arr. like ridge, right? But like it enlarges. A, like a yeah, yeah. It enlarges the surface area of bone available for attaching the temporalis muscle. Yeah. So here the coexistence is somewhat better understood, whereas Homo <laughs> seems to have evolved to exploit a wide variety of plants and animals for food. Paranthropus <laughs> specialized in processing tough, fibrous plant foods and probably lived in the woods and the grasslands and went extinct roughly around 1.2 million years ago. Yeah, so a fun fact for y'all. So did you know that they're actually able to determine the diet of the this wow god Jesus. The this thing, the paranthropus. <laughs> Paranthropus, Paranthropus. Paranthropus. Yeah, the Paranthropus. They were actually able to determine their diet by chemical analysis using the ratio of strontium and calcium. Mm, I mm. love strontium. Yeah, I know you do. So that's why it led me to this. So the, the two elements in the bones of living animals decline as elements are passed up the food chain. So plants have a higher strontium calcium ratio than do grazing herbivores that may feed on many of the grasses mm. have higher ratios than do the carnivores that eat them. So does celestite. Yeah. So, so <laughs> throwing me off with that sexy mineral. <laughs> so they tested these ratios amongst other various fossils found at the, the Swartkrans. So this is also where they found those tools where the robustus was found. So analysts suggest that these creatures were either browsers or carnivores, but they were not grazing herbivores. And to determine if they were, and it sounded a lot cooler when I was like writing, I was like, man, I'm going to give these fun facts. But so, yeah, so then they had to determine it was it a browser or was it a carnivore? 
herbivores. So what they did is that we turned to good old photosynthesis. So woody plants and shrubs utilize C3 photosynthesis and grasses use the C4 photosynthesis. And what this really does is the uptake of that carbon, right? Mm. And so based on the ratios of that carbon 13 and the carbon 12, it, they were able to determine that the ratio in the teeth of the of this robustus that from the levels of the C13 in the teeth and bones were higher than the levels found in the browsing species like the kudu. And it indicates that the robustus either ate grass or animals that ate grasses. And since the strontium calcium ratio suggests it didn't eat plants, it shows that that the robustus had to have been, at mm. least in some part, carnivores. I really like how you derived all of that. That was yeah. good. Well, that, that was beautiful, James. No, but like yeah. it's using science, all right? So they're no, using no, ratios it, yeah. and they're using inferences from... And that, that's a big deal because, you know, we when we talk about elements, um, that the different isotopes, while they may just be slightly heavier or lighter, they make a big difference on what organisms take in or even what minerals take in. And that's what we're going to talk about at the end. Yeah, yeah. Like the difference between iron 2 and iron 3. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ferric and... Uh, uh, what's the other one? There's like the plus 2. Plus oh, shit. Three just go okay. on. Sorry. All right. Well, we're going to fast forward 200,000 years out of that. And we have Homo habilis, right? Yep. That's good. Appearing here. And their face protrudes less than the earlier hominids, but it's going to retain many of its the ape-like features, their brains expanding. And now we have a volume about 600 cubic centimeters. Yeah, so we're getting bigger. So this is around the time hominids start using stone tools regularly created by splitting of the pebbles. And it's really starting this Oldowan tradition of tool making. And this process is going to last for about a million years. So the, the Oldowan is the oldest known stone tool industry dating as far back as 2.5 million years ago. And these tools are a major milestone in the human evolution history. So the earliest evidence of cultural behavior, the Homo habilis, an ancestor of the Homo sapiens, manufactured these Oldowan tools. First discovered at Olduvai Gorge in Tanzania, Oldowan artifacts, are, they've been recovered from several localities in eastern, central, and southern Africa, the oldest of which is at a site that's in Gona, Ethiopia. Oldowan technology is typified by what is known as choppers. Yeah, and then choppers are just stone cores with flakes removed from part of the surface, creating a sharpened edge at that was used for cutting, chopping, and scraping. So the, the microscopic surface analysis of the flakes struck from the cores have, have really shown that some of these flakes were also used as tools for cutting plants or in actually butchering animals. So they can see the striations in the the, the marks of the of the bones that leave mm. different indentations than a teeth would. And then some hominoids develop meat-rich diets as scavengers. The extra energy may have favored the evolution for the larger brains that we're seeing now. Mm. So then two million years ago, fossil evidence of Homo ergaster emerges and they had a brain volume up to 850 cubic centimeters. And this was in Africa and hominins of the lower Pleistocene. They disappear about 600,000 years ago. It was also the first hominin to migrate out of Africa. I think that's, mm. that's pretty significant too. So yeah. this is mm -hmm. when we're starting to see kind of that they're making their way out. They're migrating out now. And so percolating from the original. Absolutely. Yeah. And then so there was actually a discovery in the Caucasus Mountains. So they discovered a lower jaw in Olduin tools, right? So like this, they're they're piecing together. So they see they saw this jawbone and they saw these tools. 
that um, together that they're like, ah, these are probably like some kind of hominids. And yeah. they dated the sediment to be about uh, 1.1 to 1.8 million years ago. Yeah. And paleontologists and archaeologists, they're unsure that they migrated so early on until until later. Two more complete crania were discovered in Demancy. Dem- yeah, that's weird. No, yeah. So they found like these two full, like intact cranium structures. Wow. That, that was cool. Yeah. And then between about 1.8 to roughly about 1.5 million years ago, years ago we get homo erectus and it, it has by this point it has risen to dominance and then the remains were found first in asia so homo erectus are considered the first true hunter-gatherer ancestors and also the first to have migrated out of africa in large numbers so it, it attains a brain size of around a thousand cubic centimeters wow yeah so homo erectus roamed the earth up to as little as a hundred thousand yeah yeah a hundred thousands of years ago and they lived in numerous locales across the globe including south africa kenya spain china and java which was in indonesia similar body sizes to modern humans with similar limb and torso proportions yeah the homo erectus and then moving forward to 1.6 million years ago there's evidence that suggests that they harness the use of fire so not only are they massively moving out but now they're harnessing fire and then the possible first sporadic use of fire suggested by this discolored sediment that they found in kubi for Kenya. Have you read about that, Brian? It's just, just, anyways. So more convincing evidence of charred wood and stone tools is found in Israel, and this is dated to be about 780,000 years. Yeah, actually, side note, like the paleo flood study, we're correlating with archaeological data of charred stones. Nice. Yeah, that were in some river sediment. Nice. And yeah, it's pretty cool. But we're talking about tools, so more complex Arculean uh, stone tools start to be pronounced, and they're going to be the dominant technology until 100,000 years ago. And this tradition constantly Constituted a veritable revolution in Stone Age technology. Arculean stone tools are the products of Homo erectus. Not only are the Arculean tools found over the largest area, but it's also the longest running industry lasting over a million years. The earliest known artifacts from Africa, they've been dated to about 1.6 million <laughs> I purposely left out <laughs> for me saying that word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> a Chulkin tool, uh, or technology, a Chulkin. A Chulkin. No, it's oh a Chulian. Why did I say Arculean? There's, There's no, no R, R in it. I don't know. It's a Chulian. A Chulkin. A Chulian. A Chulian. There's no I-A-N. It's That's, E-A-N. Oh, I didn't see that. It looks like a C from here. Okay, sorry. Greta. Um, my eyes are getting old. <laughs> A Julian technology is best characterized by its distinctive stone hand axes. These hand axes are pear-shaped, teardrop shaped around an outline usually 12 to 20 centimeters long and flaked over at least part of the surface of each side. There is considerable variation in size and a quality of workmanship. Yeah, so now I, I guess what I think is important about these is that you're passing on this tradition of how to make this. So now we're seeing that that communication, right? And it's like the napping yeah. to make these cool things. But the hand axes, they were multi-purpose tools used in a variety of tasks. So studies of the surface wear patterns revealed that the uses of the hand axe included the butchering and skinning of game, digging in soil, and cutting wood of other plant materials. So additionally, the Achillean tools are sometimes found with animal bones that show signs of having been butchered. So then to 1 million years to 700,000 years ago, pic- pycanthropus. 
wait, wait, Pycanthropus erectus. This was discovered by Dubot in 1891 in Java. This is thought to be a missing link between apes and humans. So major discovery here, but was more human-like than ape-like. Okay, so now we're really getting that. Yeah, starting to see some some good similarities. So 600,000 years ago, we see Homo heidelbergensis in the fossil record, and they lived in Africa and Europe. And an interesting fact about this is they had similar brain capacity to modern humans. Wow. Yeah, and it appears that Africa, the African family tree of these species leads to Homo sapiens, while a European branch leads to Homo neanderthalensis and the Denisovans. The Denisovans. Denisovans. Yeah, I used to always say like Denisovans, but it's Denisovans. Denisovans. Did you did you listen? Did you look that up? On yeah, no, they're not. No, <laughs> not on pronunciations.com. Is there actually a website for that? Dude, there's tons. Yeah. Is there really? No, no, but like just I, um, I practiced that before. No, but just hearing it in people talking about the kind of the the Denisovans and Denisovans. Yeah, because okay. I was like Denise. I okay. have to remember that. Yeah, Denise. All right, sweet. All right, so Homo neanderthalensis was around 130,000 years ago to 40,000 years ago. So we're coming up on, you know, not long ago, I guess. Yeah, um, <laughs> blink of an eye. Yeah, exactly. So once stretched across Eurasia from Portugal and the British Isles to Siberia, some evidence suggests that a few diehards might have held on... <laughs> in enclaves like Gibraltar until perhaps 29,000 years ago. <laughs> Even today, traces of them remain because modern humans carry Neanderthal DNA in their genome. Wow. Yeah. That's that's major. So they had large noses, strong double arched brow ridges, relatively short and stocky bodies. Dude, you're, you're describing me. <laughs> or hobbits. I've, no, I've, there is the actually heck? one that's we're, a yeah, hobbit. We're going to get into that one, but uh, have y'all, I mean, have y'all taken a DNA test? Yeah. Like, I always thought, since, like, I have, like, a slanted forehead, you yeah, see like, I, I, I always thought, like, man, I have to have a lot of, like, Neanderthal. Well, meat, but, like, so, I don't. Like, well, Angela do has see, a lot. I, I didn't look that into that, but, like, we both have these, like, pronounced eyebrow ridges. Like, you have it, too. Well, it's because my forehead goes. No, but, like, <laughs> mine does, too. But we're, so. But, like, you're Wells, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, but I don't know if that's that, because, like, I have, I don't have as much, but Angela has a lot more than me. But it's all centered and she around. She looks more like a fairy. Yeah. It does. She's very fairy-like. Yeah. She's, Beautiful. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> but you are the second guest that we've had that have used the term diehard. Yeah. You wrote that too. I didn't write that. <laughs> oh, I thought he did. No, I didn't. That's why I was very Well, poetic. they were diehard. I mean, like they were hanging on. Yeah. But yeah, so then. I would have been too. Yeah. Why yeah, wouldn't you, you? So also hominids living in Africa during the, the, the later middle Pleistocene were more similar to modern humans than than um, we'd like to believe than the Neanderthals were. So fun fact. So there there's starting to get, um, I guess, more traction is Europe may have been invaded repeatedly by hominids from Africa during the middle Pleistocene. And you know, I guess the the idea that the classifying of hominids in this in this middle Pleistocene is cause for great disagreement. So, are the humans? Are they Neanderthals? Are they Denisovans? Are they? You know, yeah. they're all living at the at the at the same time here. Sure. Who even knows yeah. anymore? Who knows? There's a lot yeah. of overlap. Yeah. So early evidence of purpose-built shelters, so uh, like wooden huts, they're yeah. known from sites near Chichibu, Japan. They date to about 500,000 years ago. And early humans, they began to hunt with spears about 400,000 years ago. Some of the oldest surviving early human footprints are left by three people who scrambled down the slopes of a volcano in Italy, and they date to 325,000 years ago. Interesting. Wow, just yeah. three. So Homo sapiens, they gathered and hunted food and evolved behaviors that helped them 
them respond to challenges of survival in unstable environments. They had a lighter build of their skeleton compared to earlier humans. They had large brains, which vary in size from population to population, and between males and females. Our jaws are less heavily developed with smaller teeth. So here's just a random fun fact that I'm... So, you know, humans, we sweat, right? And we're able to cool off that way, like the evaporative cooling. Well, the how they, you know, they hunt and they, they used to, they just run and outrun it. It's I, I, what I recently found out is that large game like that, they, they can't cool down. So what we did is we just ran them to death. Mm. It's because like they can't pant. So when they pant, that's how they, um, that's how they right. cool. But when they're in a full sprint, they can't pant. So they're just breathing, but they can't pant. So they're not cooling down. So our early humans, we just ran animals to death. <laughs> yeah. And did you know that even with like, you're talking about sweating, but like even now where you're born and like kind of where you originate originally will determine how like the extensiveness of your sweat glands. Oh, really? Yeah. So like if you're born in, I newly said Africa, like um, Alaska, you know, or like somewhere where, north. Yeah, where you're not getting much of that direct sunlight and it's, you know, you're, it's mainly cold, yeah. you know, um, temperatures, you don't have as many sweat glands. And so when you move to somewhere like Texas or the equator, you really struggle because, you know, you just don't have that cooling yeah. mechanism. That's, that's interesting. So it's more of a, a latitude thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, um, like skin color. Yeah. Yeah. And lo- like, wasn't there also like lung size? Like, isn't that a, also a thing? Like the Northern folk have different size lungs than. Well, I'm sure that, I'm sure that has to do with people altitude. build up on like a yeah. higher elevation. Altitude. And nostril size. Yeah. Mm. And that's, yeah, it's, it's all interesting. I mean, but, you don't see it as much, you know, because we are all so like. Global now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's just so much yeah. moving around. And so it's less like where you see this. This group of people stay here. You know? Yeah, I had a quick question, and this is going to diverge a little okay. bit. I wanted to know. So you did like, and maybe I'm misinterpreting what you, maybe your research was in pedogenic. So is that no, that's that? pedagogical. That's okay. teaching. Okay, okay. I thought it was going to have to do with feet because my question is like <laughs> ped, right? like ped, right? <laughs> yeah. So no, um, pedagogical okay. is just yeah teaching okay. methods. Well, my question had to do with early human footprints and hunting. When did we see or have, I don't know if, I don't know this, so I'm asking you guys, like forefront strike to like heel strike. Do we notice a change in mm. in that? In what was well, I'm, I'm sure there is because I know like with Lucy, yeah. um, even though she was like the one of the first true bipedal, right, that we saw, but there, it has something to do with that angle. So like apes and chimps, they have more from like their knees to their ankles and down in their hips. It's more a horizontal where ours are kind of, um, it looks like a triangle, upside down triangle where it's like that center goes. Especially if you ride a horse. In. Right, a horse. What? <laughs> like the like legged people. Both, yeah. yeah, no, but it, it, it goes. Kidding. It goes. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm not sure if it's you know like the toe ball or ball to toe. I know ninjas what they do the the toe ball. Yeah, that's what I try to quiet. do just because I want to pretend. <laughs> yeah, when I'm when I'm a ninja around my house. Yeah, totally what I do. So can I tell you a fun story about the first time my my stepdad met me when I was ten years old? <laughs> yes, ten. Please I was 10. tell us. So I think he was he came home on a date with my mom and I had I was completely naked. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I had a washcloth on, but I had it tied. <laughs> I had it tied. 
So I, was like, you had a loincloth. So I, there was like this. I'm uh, picturing Lord of the Flies. Yeah, yeah, no, basic, basically, basically, and uh, uh, on the kitchen there was like the you know like the where you have like the kitchen counter, and I was jumping off of it on onto the couch. Tarzan. Yeah, basically, I was like, oh, it was hilarious. Was he just like, okay, what well. the? F- <laughs> Did you scare him away? Well, no, no, no he's stepdad. Still, okay, yeah, he's. That's he became hilarious. my stepdad, but that I think that's one of the first times that he met me. So I was just a wild Amazing. child in the house. Yeah. So what about what happened about two hundred thirty thousand years ago, Brian? I'll tell you. Okay. All right. So our cousins, maybe not cousins, Neanderthals. They appear. They're found across Europe, from Britain in the west to Iran in the east. Right. So until they become extinct around twenty eight thousand years ago, that's when the advent of modern humans. Yeah. 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 And then finally, roughly about one hundred ninety thousand, one hundred ninety five thousand years ago, our own species homo sapiens appear on the scene and then shortly after they began to migrate across africa and europe and then the oldest modern human remains are two skulls found in ethiopia that date back to this period which had the same brain volume as modern human brain volumes that is roughly around 1300 cubic centimeters uh, hundred and seventy thousand years ago we see the mitochondrial eve which is it's gonna be the direct ancestor to all living people today and it's just we may have been living in africa yeah and interesting about this so the the mitochondrial DNA is passed down from mother to mother and it's so it all goes back to this one person. That's why they call it the mitochondrial Eve. But by 150,000 years ago, humans possibly were capable of speech. And then 100,000 years ago, old shell jewelry suggests that people were developed <laughs> complex speech and symbolism. And the first evidence of long distance trade dates back to 140,000 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> the earliest known beads made from ostrich, ostrich eggshells and jewelry are 110,000 years ago. Anal beads? (laughs) I'm sure they were very creative. Yeah. Okay. So Homo Luzoensis. So is that how you'd say that? Yep. Luzon. Lasagna. Lasagnensis existed 50,000 to 67,000 years ago. So these were small bodied hominins around the island of Luzon. The hominin identified from a total of seven teeth and six small bones. All right. So, th- so we didn't have, we don't have a lot yeah. you know, to go off of, right? So, um, it's usually what happens with small bones. Yeah. Hosts a patchwork of ancient <laughs> and more advanced features. So the landmark discovery was announced in Nature on Wednesday. Whoa, so this what? is recent. Like, oh. like Wednesday? Wednesday. Wow. Wednesday. So this makes Luzon the third Southeast Asian island in the last 15 years to bear signs of unexpectedly mm. ancient human activity. Boom. That's fascinating. Yeah, so 50,000 years ago is known as the Great Leap Forward. So this is where we're really where we're going to start seeing the human culture starts to change much, much, much more rapidly than before. And then people begin burying their dead ritually. They're going to be creating clothes at this time from animal hides and develop complex hunting techniques such as pit traps and we see that the colonization of australia by modern humans during this time 33,000 years ago about that we see the crow magnon yeah um so oldest cave art later stone age artisans create the spectacular murals of lascaux i don't know if that's how you say that chauvet. and chauvet in france that we alluded to last week during the speleological special yeah the yeah. the speleology special yeah those yeah. cave arts I, hey i missed that so then not so mysteriously the homo erectus dies out in asia as they were replaced by modern man dun 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 yeah so the it so it, it makes sense why all these other ones are going to start dying out now so fossil 
fossils from 18,000 years ago, we see Homo floriensis. The Hobbit people. Yes. I'm so excited. Yeah, so exactly. So they were found on the Indonesian island of Flores, and the species, they stood just over one meter tall. However, they had brains similar in size to chimpanzees, yet have advanced stone tools. Right. So this proves that Middle Earth is a real place. I wonder what their if their feet were as large. I, I assume. And they probably had hairy feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the third age, Sauron took the ring to. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you're right. So hobbits in Middle Earth is probably real at some point in time. Totally we real. Totes. But so we're going to move forward to real time of 12,000 years ago. Humans had spread far and wide and started inhabiting the Americas. So yeah. So know that your charred paleo flow is not going to be older than 12,000 years hmm. old. That's true, because it was about 4,500 years. Yeah, well, because humans weren't in America, in the Americas. Yeah. So let's not forget about the Denisovans. Did I say that right that time? Kind of. (sighs) Say it for me again. The Denisovans. Denisovans, okay. Let us not forget about the Denisovans coexisted and mixed with modern humans in New Guinea until at least 30,000 years ago, but perhaps as recently as 15,000 years ago. A date that, if confirmed, means Denisovans were the last known humans, save ourselves, to walk the earth. Mm. Many, excuse me, many leaving... (laughs) (laughs) take three many living asian people inherited perhaps three to five percent of their dna from the denisovans so i i think that's interesting too like the there's still not much known about them like because they're just a uh, just a small bit were found in caves kind of up yeah in the urals yeah just pieces yeah and i don't know it's all it's a matter of time till they find like a more intact yeah you know that'll tell a story so then here now we're going to be entering the holocene so i'm sure Mm. you're more familiar with the geological terms but so this happened about ten thousand years ago and then the holocene geologically speaking is when earth's temperature really stabilizes and it's going to remain relatively warm only fluctuating by one or so degrees throughout this entire ten thousand years but before it would fluctuate between 10 to 15 degrees for comparison. So this is really allowed for agriculture to develop and spread. And then agriculture led to the first villages. And it is also when we see the possible domestication of dogs happening during this time as well. I love dogs. Yeah, me too. Oof. So to close things out, hey, 55. Hold on. What do you call a dog in outer space? Space dog. An astromutt. Oh, God. <laughs> It's not even it funny. Is, it's Father's Day weekend. <laughs> the dad jokes are here. Okay. Yeah, it is. It is close to Father's Day. What do you call it? Yeah. Happy uh, Father's Day, by the way. Thank you. What do you call a house in outer space? Space house. An Astro Hut? <laughs> no, 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 no. But how do you have a party in outer space? In a vacuum. You plan it. Uh, okay. That's the first, yeah. the, almost the first thing I said to Angela. Really? Yeah. And she was like, oh my God, I love you. Wow. And then she called me <laughs> Jason. you marry me? <laughs> she called you Jason. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, to close things out, 5,500 years ago, the Stone Age ends and the Bronze Age begins. Dun, dun. Humans begin to smelt and work copper and tin and use them in place of stone implements. 5,000 years ago, <laughs> earliest known writing, and so the story of... Colbert <laughs> begins. Yes. I'm Colbert. 4,000... Brian begins. 3,500... How dare uh, you... BC, the Sumerians of <laughs> Mesopotamia developed the world's Horror first art. civilization. <laughs> so throughout all of that, how did or why, I guess, you know, Cobalt, Cobalt wants to know why, why does Homo sapiens survive? 
Oh, man. Okay, so, well, we need to understand that evolution does not march steadily toward predetermined goals. Like, mm. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. And many hominem species be- belong not in our direct line of ancestry, but on side branches of humankind. So evolutionary experiments that ended in <laughs> extinction. Less of a tree and more of a bush. But some of us like bush, Greta. <laughs> okay, all right. It's so, so creepy when... <laughs> I don't know who this guy is, but I don't like it. Uh, Should we do it? No, we've no, already done it. No, we've already done it, but it's it's so cobalt. What it does is it mixes with arsenic. Yeah, and miners. And the miners it's creepy. Or no, what? but the miners would go down there and they would mysteriously die because the arsenic poisoning in right. the air would be poisonous. So they came up with uh, cobalt. Was this demon thing. goblin that yeah. lived in the mountains where they were caving, and that's what caused people to die? Yeah. So this was the voice we made for all. <laughs> okay, so, but some of us like Bush, like yeah. the song yeah. "Glycerin." Oh, I love Bush, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's one of my favorites. Glycerin, glycerin. <laughs> I don't want to come back down from it. All right, so <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about brain case size then and now. Mm. All right. So comparing Anthropithecus. I forgot which one Australopithecus. It was. Australopithecus. Yeah. Comparing Australopithecus afarensis to Sahelanthropus shows that hardly any growth occurred in the first few million years of human evolution. Most of the expansion of the brain case has taken place in the last two million years, correlating to advances in technology. So when we say that, we're talking about use of tools, enabling better acquisition of food, and thus better diets to satisfy the energetic demands of the brain. This expansion might have made way for more language, long range planning, among other advanced cognitive functions. That makes sense. Yeah, and I would say that the really the utilization of fire really fueled brain development and sent the evolving um, the evolvingness into kind of overdrive. Right, it's a, the, the meat. Does, it's all about that meat. They started using fire and eating meat. That, but they could have done that without the tools. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Evolution and yeah. right. So it's probably why we saw a lot of overlapping in species. For example, the Homo sapiens overlapped with other kinds of humans too. So there's a lot of overlap yeah so the the term human is not uniquely unique to us as humans right we were the only to survive so that's really it yeah we we survived and none of the others did i imagine when our species was evolving in africa three hundred thousand years ago several other kinds of hominins also roamed the planet and there was all sorts of interactions dirty dirty ones yeah yeah yeah, i mean the deed i mean you've seen the crudes right yeah yeah no, I mean, that's, that's a good a example. Great example really of that because it's like they were the family. They were like I would imagine, like kind of like Neanderthals. Why do you smell like flowers? <laughs> and the guy yeah. is the city boy. part of the the homo sapiens. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so I like being clean. I know. Me too. And, yeah. Although sometimes I like associate with the dad a little bit on that show. I don't know why. what selling everyone out. You know, oh, that's just, just like, on the podcast. Like, not. No, I'm it, kidding. I don't know. No, the the Neanderthal dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, my husband too, for sure. <laughs> so some of these other hominins, such as like the uh, the stocky Neanderthals and. Eurasia, they were very close relatives, while others include Homo naladi in South Africa and Homo erectus in Indonesia. They belong to lineages that diverge from ours in the deep past. Even as recently as 50,000 years ago, hominin diversity was the rule. With Neanderthals, the mysterious Denisovans from Africa, 
Oh, excuse me, Asia. I don't want to mess up there. Tiny Homo florensis and another small hominin. The recently discovered Homo luzonensis from the Philippines last Wednesday, all at large. Here are the facts of the case. We know from fossils found at the site of Jebel Arud in Morocco, I don't know if I said that correctly, that our species originated in Africa by at least 315,000 years ago. By around 200,000 years ago, it began making forays out of Africa. And by 40,000 years ago, it had established itself throughout Eurasia. Some of the places Homo sapiens colonized were occupied by other hominin species. Eventually, the other folks all disappeared. So by around 30 to 15,000 years ago, with the end of the Neanderthals in Europe and the Denisovans in Asia, Homo sapiens, they were alone in the world. That Alas. sounds so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Does it? But I feel like that that's kind of like what we do as humans. Like we even try to do that with other cultures within our own species. We're like, F you. Yeah. Like it, F it, you. And especially if they're me. competing. And then and I'm sure at some point there was little, I mean, you wouldn't know like, hey, you are, you would just be another tribe, right? Can I get mm-hmm. poetic? for a second yeah be poetic okay so there's a thrice lyric i know you you know i love thrice but it reminded me like we're all we the homo sapiens were alone like after we probably i'm, I'm guessing there was a lot not only like a lot of uh you know love making or, or like new hominin making <laughs> going yeah. on but there was like a lot of killing that probably happened there's a song called the flame deluge by thrice and it's from fire's perspective and it's oh. all about world war ii and like how they used fire and bombs and everything to kill people the last lines are fire speaking and it says it's lonely when there's no one left to fight saying like the fires the last thing it usually so, is no yeah. and i yeah and then you got to think like too it's none of these tribes were i think as populous as we are now so no, it's they, like it's they all didn't these know it's like all these warring factions like i i think of europe is like just the not even like england i'm talking about like yeah, in, yeah. in germany where it's just like all of these different uh, things coming up and anyway well, i don't even know when like city states began i forgot all that stuff yeah, like, yeah. That's, yeah. i don't know what we do know to bring it all full circle as we talked about at the beginning the ana- the analysis of dna has revolutionized the study of human evolution. Comparing the human genome with the genomes of the living great apes has shown conclusively that we are most closely related to chimpanzees and the bonobos, sharing nearly 99% of their DNA. Right. People today carry DNA from Neanderthal, sorry, and Denisovans as a result of these long ago encounters. So tell us how that process works, if you don't mind, Greta. So hybrid zones <laughs> are regions in which members of different species meet and mate producing at least some offspring of mixed ancestry. Sounds yeah. like a good time. Yeah, so unlike the it's non-boning the non-boning lizards who prefer <laughs> parthenogenesis, like right? You remember that was a new news story? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, a side note, no, so I know that we just did that competition with regards to bees, right, Greta? So, did you know that actually a cousin of the honeybee, so I just read this article that the South African bee has completely 100% cloned itself through parthenogenesis and has done this hundreds of millions of times with zero genetic mutations and how nuts is that like that's how efficient it is no mutations what the heck wow no mutations so they're it's very not being encountered but they're also (laughs) not encountering any you know ecosystem no so they so they are they are interacting so they they're actually
eventually they take over other colonies as these queens or the you know they'll, they'll sometimes like take off. Are these the, the, the scary ones? That no, they're really about? no, they're actually cousins to the uh, the honeybee. But what that's it is, so but they sweet. actually There's no mutations. Though. Yeah, that's that's, that's uh, crazy. Wow. So although scientists have yet to figure out the function of most of the genes people today carry from their extinct hominins, they have pinpointed a few, and the results are intriguing. For instance, Neanderthals gave Homo sapiens immunity genes that have helped our species fend off novel pathogens it encountered in Eurasia, and Denisovans contributed gene that help people adapt to high altitudes. So that's kind of cool. That's, Homo sapiens mm-hmm. may have been the last hominin standing, but it got a leg up from its extinct cousins. Speaking of thanks, a leg cousins. up. Yeah, thanks, yeah, cousins. Yeah, thank you Bruss. for, you know, doing your thing. But how about we get a leg up on paying for our science project and do a little sponsored Mineral Minute? I say let's. Mineral. Mineral Minutes. Mineral. Mineral. Mineral Minutes. So this week's Mineral Minute is brought to you by the hydrated zinc magnesium iron phosphate hydroxide mineral, Schoonerite. Schoonerite has a chemical formula of <laughs> ZNMN2 plus Fe2 plus 2, Fe3 plus phosphate times 3, and a hydroxide, two of those times nine compounds of water. Dude, you're, you're leaving. What is, I have uh, to say it that way. That's like, what I, do you want me to say it the real way? Well, I will. I'll no, 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 just ZNMN2 no, no, plus No, 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 no. Just tell everyone what a, how you do a phosphate. What oh, so it's a phosphorus a, and then four oxygens. Yeah, just a PO4. So it's, PO4. That, it's that polyatomic yeah. ion, yeah, and then yeah. a hydroxide is? OH. Okay. Sorry, guys. So much teaching. Okay, schoonerite <laughs> is transparent to translucent and is pale tan to brown, greenish brown, reddish brown to bronzy on weathered surface in color. Schoonerite has a subvitreous, greasy, <laughs> silky to dull luster. Schoonerite occurs as rosettes, mats, scales, and lads up to two millimeters in length, thin tabular parallel to 010 and elongated parallel to 100. Schoonerite has a hardness of about four, mm. has... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is... It has some cleavage. What is that? Micaceous. Micaceous. Micaceous so, like, cleavage. Plate-like. Oh, where's your... Yeah, you got some yeah, muscovite? He's about to show you some good cleavage. Some micaceous cleavage. Zero, oh, yeah. one, zero, and good. Zero, That's micaceous. That's muscovite, oh, actually. it's dropping all over the floor. Oh, God. It, okay. it looks like a dandruff. I really don't oh. understand this scale. What scale? Most hardness scale? No, I guess. It's relative. Oh. Zero, one, zero, and good. Oh, no. Oh, zero, those, those are, it's, yeah, faces on a crystal as it grows out. Oh. And, like, you have your A, B, and C axes. And so, like, one, it'll come this way, and you're able to say, like, where it is. Like, each axis has, like, a number. So it wouldn't be out there, but it would be over here. And this is how it grows out. Yeah. So it's nice. It's like a three-dimensional. It's just a naming. It could be. It could have four whenever it has the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have four. So, but schoonerite has a specific gravity of two point eight seven to two point nine two. Schoonerite is a late stage, low temperature mineral and occurs associated with siderite, mitridatite, jansite, (laughs) white morsite, lawsite, etc. Am I not reading? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? Go on. Just go on. Just go okay. on. Okay, so in oxidized masses of ludolomite, <laughs> nestlemite, vivin, vividianmite, no. derived from parent triphylite. I hate you. <laughs> I purposely gave you the heart, like all those minerals. I did have Brian saying those, but I know uh. he can pronounce them. <laughs> 
So Schooner Ride is biaxial negative with moderate surface relief <laughs> weed pleochrism. Named in 1977 by Paul Brian Moore and Anthony R. Kampf <laughs> in honor of Richard Dick <laughs> Albert Schooner, a mineral collector from East Hampton, Hampton Connecticut. Schooner Ride is ortho... Oh, no, that's you. <laughs> Schooner Ride is orthohombic and is diperimidal. Okay, for, so for timeout... Orthorhombic. That's what I just said. No, you didn't. What did I say? I said orthorhombic. Whatever. Let me just say something. This font, yes. the C's look like E's. Okay, they do. They do a little bit. What? Oh, I, okay. can, I can tell if you're... No. You, you need it bigger? <laughs> My eyes. Look. I'm getting old. Okay. Oh. oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. That's a horse of a there different color. <laughs> Control-alt okay. plus. Okay. Sh- All right. Stay tuned for next week's mineral, Oosterbushite. Ooh. Mineral. <laughs> Ooster Boshite. Boshite. Mineral. <laughs> that was hilarious. Mm. Just, yeah, no, like, I don't know. It's how you say it. It's like, funny. Cassiterite. Yeah, Siderite. You were like, Siderite. What was the, the Wyoming? But I mean, we, like, how so many things did we note, say? Side note, you're making the non-geologist read all of the major <laughs> geology terms. That's what we do. To That's the what we do. If you're, <laughs> yeah, if you're the geologist listening to this, then just forgive me. Yeah, no. They, they all just, forgive you. They just hate us. <laughs> <laughs>